Hi, I'm Billy, and this is the Unlock Your Child's Full Potential podcast, where we discuss how to teach our children the lessons we wish we had learned earlier, the skills that will give them a head start in life. No one teaches you how to be a great mother, and unless you had a great mother to emulate, you have no idea what that even looks like. I believe that we all want to be the best moms and create an environment where our children can blossom into the best versions of themselves. And each of us has uncovered some part of that truth. Let's step into the collective wisdom and inspire each other to become the moms our kids deserve us to be. Being aware of like sensory challenges for children, like think they'll describe their kids as like, oh, they can't like, they don't like this scratchy shirt. My kid like freaks out if she like has, you know, she gets wet. Like she really doesn't like the feeling of water on her hands. That can be really annoying, right? If you don't, if you don't have like an awareness of like, okay, there's actually something that's overstimulating you and can kind of change the environment. So I think as you're raising your children, if you kind of notice something like over and over, it could be sensory related. Hey guys, today's guest is Rashida Laksmidar. And you just heard part of our conversation on sensory overload, how it can affect our children and how we can help them self-regulate. Rashida is a mom of two, and she has recently been introduced to the sensory concept. Having this new awareness has helped her better understand her children's challenges and, looking back, her own childhood. Rashida is also the host of Parents Connecting, a podcast that emphasizes human connections through stories, conversations, and real experiences of life. In lieu of the airbrushed lives we often see through social media and pop culture. She has a strong core belief that through conversations about the entirety of one's life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, is when we truly connect, relate, and learn from one another. Hi, Rashida. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to talk about uh, parenting with you. Me too. Me too. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited to talk with you. Please give us a little background and share about your parenting journey so we get to know you a little better. I just turned 38, but I've got two kids. I've got um, a daughter who just turned five and a son who will be two next month. And my journey to parenthood, I was very sensitive around kids because I didn't have the experience of being around children actually growing up. And so my experience of when I had my own children, I experienced a love that I've like never felt before, right? I think the love of your children is um, a really unique thing. Even when you're married or you have a spouse, it's just a completely different thing when you, when you have your own children. At least that is for me. It's, it's interesting because I, I thought that I wouldn't have this like maternal instinct because again, I hadn't been around children. So it was kind of an interesting evolution of like how I am as a mother today because I feel like once you have children, your life changes just to watch a little human being grow and develop and be able to like impact them is so profound and really just brings so much joy. There's a lot of challenges in between, but they're like that watching them grow um, and learn has been just so amazing. What's your biggest takeaway? Um, from parenting? Yeah. Oh gosh. Until uh, now. That, you ha- that you have to have patience. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I am not a patient person, I think just to begin with, but I have learned and a lot of other facets of my life, you know, I'm a full-time, you know, working mother. I, I do have a level of impatience when it comes to like adults and things, right? Like you're working in this environment. But when it comes to children, I think it's just this innate thing that I have of allowing children to really be children. And 
to like nobody nobody tells you what to expect right when you have kids like you can read all the books in terms of like that first year I think the challenge for it's like what happens after that first year like there's no guidebook of like you know you know what to expect or is this like a normal thing or is this not normal like you know unless if you have a really big group of people around you with children I think of all different ages I think it's a really that's really challenging actually to navigate and so I think expectation, like being able to manage your expectations of like what a child can and can't do, right? Because, you know, so I told you my, my daughter's just turned five. She's very, very intellectual and smart. She uses these huge words. And so she, she seems always older than what she is. Sometimes it's hard to remember, hey, this is just a four-year-old. Like this is just a five-year-old, like you know, to just lower your expectations because they're, you know, they're, they're such a bomb. Yeah, I do the same with my <laughs> nine-year-old because yeah. she's the, the oldest of three and she has to know it. And right. I'm expecting too much. Yeah. Yeah. I think parenting is such a journey and it never really stops because as your kids get older, you get older, you also, your whole world around you, your life circumstances differ. And so like, it's never really the same. There's always going to be changes. Your kids are going to get it, you know, every year that they get older, every month that goes by, they learn they're, you know, they're developing their own way. And then you as a parent also are developing not only as a parent, but as like a person, I think it's really easy to get caught up in just like the parent identity. But if you're working or if you have friends or other stuff like that, all you know, life experiences, there's, you know, like as we get older, like our you know, people that we know are older and there's, you know, tragedies in life and all these other things that kind of also affect you as a human being that changes your, your whole family dynamic. So, yeah, that's true. And you're right that a community for moms with kids of all different ages, it's very important. Yeah, and- it really is. And I think it's hard. I mean, for me personally, we're pretty isolated. Like my husband comes from a very large family. He's one of eight children, but they're all, we live in the States and he's from Morocco. And so half of his family's in Morocco and then the other half is in Montreal and Canada. So they're really quite global. I am of Indian descent. I was born here, but my parents, they live in the States too, but they go to India back and forth. And so we really have, and we have a huge family in India but that we don't really know or that get to spend time with or anything. And so from a, like a tribe perspective, I think that uh, we're still, we're still trying to like make our tribe, I guess. But I think that, yeah, I I think if you can find people that you can at least have a conversation, right? Like we're having to just sometimes when you connect with somebody, you learn something. And sometimes I'm like, oh, okay. That's like, even just talking to my neighbor, she's got kids generally around our age. It's funny because sometimes she will, we'll have an exchange and she's like, oh, your daughter does that too. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. that's (laughs) So it normalizes things. (laughs) Just to know that we are not alone and we struggle with the same things. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. In your opinion, what are some traits and skills that kids these days need to have in order to be successful in life? Thinking 10 years down the road and you envision your kids. It's simple. And I don't know, you know, how you necessarily teach it except by modeling it. But I think kindness, I really want my kids to be kind to other people, like no matter who they are, where they are and people that they interact with, because that's like, that goes to like the core of who you are. I agree. What I would like to teach them is to dream, to Mm. just dream big and believe that they can create the life they want. Yeah. Because we... We have forgotten how to daydream and how to yeah. just visualize big things. That's, That's one of so my true. priorities. 
That's true. And I think that, you know, from my own experience, I think that probably wasn't something that was necessarily stated. And I think it is helpful to hear that, hey, you can do other things. Don't be limited, essentially. You know, I come from immigrant parents, so I think it's a different perspective. You know, sometimes there's this limitation, this limiting belief of like where you can and can't go in life. My parents provided the best they could for me. Absolutely. And I'm, you know, I'm a successful person today, but I questioned that like growing up, right? Like when you were, when you were still like under the house. So I think hearing that from your parents, it is, um, I think it is helpful. And I think it is important to like, make sure that your child believes that you believe in them. That's so important. Before they start believing in themselves, we have yeah. to believe in them. Yeah. On your podcast, you mentioned that you have received training from parenting programs. Would you share what stayed with you and what you have put into practice? Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, so I, I love learning. And um, my son was at a school that did a lot of um, like kind of webinars or like workshops. And one of them that was really um, helpful was around sibling rivalry. And so if you have multiple kids, this is like something so simple, but I didn't know. But like they said, when they're that young, maybe between like zero and like even like around four or five-ish, children don't have the capacity to actually share. As parents, we always want, we're always like telling, oh, share with your brother, share with your sister. It's interesting because sharing, the, the concept of sharing comes when you start developing empathy from a cognitive developmental perspective. You don't actually learn that, you know, functionally until, until you're like, I don't know the exact age, but it, it's a little bit older, like five, six. And then the other thing is around eating. We did a picky eating workshop. One of the things that I came away with is this woman talked about capacity. It's really easy to feel so much guilt around like not feeding your kids the right things in exactly the right ways. And especially if you don't see them eating like what you prepared or whatever, there's just so much layers around like food. I think she said, whatever you're trying to feed the kids and with vegetables or this or that, you have to sort of be able to take a look at your own capacity of where you are in life. So for example, if you are in a really very stressful period in your life, where the only thing that you can do is like get a sandwich on the table and, and whatever it is, right? It's really easy to feel guilty. Like, oh, I didn't, I didn't give my kid like the three, you know, everything from the food group or, you know, the, this idealized version of like what it should be. She said, that's okay. If you don't actually have the capacity to do something, then you can't do it. And so guilting yourself into trying to do something that actually isn't working for you. And it's a season of life. It's a short period of time. Maybe you're a working parent and you've had like a super busy week. And, you know, the only thing they could do is take out that week or, or, or whatever it is. I'm guilty of this because I'm constantly trying to improve things. And I think you can get stuck in, oh, we didn't do this today. Like, oh, and then, you know, then go into this like circular, like, oh my God, I'm like such a bad parent. I didn't, you know, didn't do it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so was it to go into mom guilt? Yes. So I don't know. So those are two, two things that kind of stick out to me that I, that I think a lot of people can might, that might can relate to. Yeah. They were excellent. There's actually one other thing I did want to tell you about. 
being aware of like sensory challenges for children. Like think they'll describe their kids as like, oh, they can't like, they don't like this scratchy shirt or they really don't like this. My kid like freaks out if she like has, you know, she gets wet. Like she really doesn't like the feeling of water on her hands or something. And so she gets her shirt wet, she needs to go change or something. And so that can be really annoying, right? If you don't, if you don't have like an awareness of like, okay, there's actually something that's overstimulating you and can kind of change the environment. So I think as you're raising your children, if you kind of notice something like over and over, it could be sensory related. I, as an adult, have a lot of like uh, challenges with sound where if things get really loud, but there are certain, there are certain noises that bother me more than others. You could think of your senses as in like cup sizes. So like my audio cup is, I think, pretty small. And so like to be aware of that, and it helps us actually in the language, talk with our children. And my kids are small, but they understand that. Like, oh, my audio cup is getting full. And so if they're really being loud and screaming, that's what we use. Giving them the visual of a cup, like they know what a cup is. And like, okay, well, there's, there's more liquid going in here. It's, it's overflowing now. So some of that language has been actually helpful. That's an excellent point. I yeah. love that. I think I'm, I have the same thing with the audio cup. Yeah. <laughs> but what, what about if you're a parent of a sensory child? What do you do except being aware? Yeah, you know, this is something I'm still working through, honestly. I think having things in place before you get to that point is helpful, like practicing. So this is a simple example and it's relevant because it just happened today. My oldest just has a real fear around dentist, which was never an issue. And we started early, like we started just, you know, kind of like doing the six month checkups just to get her used to like the dentist and all that kind of stuff. She never had an issue when she was small. And then all of a sudden she started freaking out at the dentist's office. Crying isn't, you know, doesn't even describe it. Completely overwhelmed. The first time that we went, like after she kind of had this turn of whatever events, we couldn't finish the session. We had to leave. And so we tried it again. And it's hard as a parent to deal with that. That's the truth. Like it's, you know, to see your child just like completely distraught from the outside. It's like, no, it's nothing happening. But I think that's like the awareness is like being understanding. Okay. There's something going on that's dysregulating her. I don't know what it is, but all I can do is just, you know, be there for her, try to, try to get through. And, and so we practiced this time. So for like a week prior, we had a dentist appointment. We played dentist. Um, and even while we were playing, I could like the first couple of times she was fine and she was good. And then we did it again. Like, and as it closer and closer gets to the days, I could tell she's, she was getting anxious, even around me. Like we were just playing. And finally, after a lot of talking, we realized she's like, I don't like the smell and the taste at the dentist's office. That's like a completely overstimulating thing for her. And so I was like, okay. And so my husband had an idea. She's like, what if we can like bring like some sort of spray or something that she can at least smell it. So we came up with a solution. We tried it. It's a lot of it is just being able to try things and not getting stuck in like, oh, this didn't work. And just like stopping there. It's like, just keep trying. I think that's part of it to be persistent. And so to, this time we, we put like, I had a little fruity spray or something. And I sprayed it on her hand. I said, okay, you can smell this. And it seems so ridiculous, but it worked. <laughs> like today she didn't cry. Like she, she actually was able to get through the full dentist appointment. You know, I'm still on the path of finding tools and putting them in place around like sensory things. It's sort of an ongoing process because your sensory stimulation can also change. It's sometimes it's not completely obvious. 
Your child might be really cranky and you're just like, oh, he's hungry or, oh, he's tired. But sometimes it's actually the environment around you. And it could have been a few hours before. That was like a really big um, light bulb that went off on to me because I didn't, I didn't understand that there could be actually a gap. So let's say they had a really, you know, extra stimulating day at school or something, like a lot of lights, a lot of whatever that can then like a few hours later, you see them melting down, but it's because they were so dysregulated back then they didn't have the ability to re-regulate themselves. And so it ends up showing up as like some sort of tantrum. And it could be like, you just took their plate away and they freaked out. And it, and it actually isn't about the plate. It's about something that happened, you know, three hours ago. So wow, it's so hard to make the connection. Yeah, it is very challenging. And so I think it's just like, kind of be get really, really curious, but like a little investigator, like all behavior is communication whether you're crying, whether you're happy, whether you're whatever, they're communicating something. And it might not be obvious. And sometimes you may never figure it out quite, but to know that there's always a reason for the behavior. I'm doing a lot of self-reflection in terms of my childhood. And you grew up with parents that might have sensory issues. I think just even recognizing your parents might have had these challenges. And that's why they may have like acted a certain way around you because they were like completely overstimulated. So it really is just like this whole sensory concept is pretty profound, I think, and just like understanding your own childhood, maybe you have your own differences, and then a lot of the stuff um, around your own children. And teaching them how to recognize it themselves, maybe, so they can begin to regulate. Absolutely. That's a big, that is a, that's kind of like the second stage that we're kind of coming on is how to figure out how to regulate, self-regulate is exactly what you said, because that's really important because we can only be in our children's lives for so long, right? Like we can't be there every single minute of every single day. And if you have an unregulating moment, dysregulating moment to be able to figure out, plan ahead, what am I going to do? Is it, do I need a squishy thing in my hand to like just squeeze, like to let the energy out? And if you find something that works, you know, stick with it until it doesn't work anymore. It's not easy. I mean, (laughs) I sometimes read all these things like, well, these are all great things, but how do I put that into practice? So I'm still working on that. (laughs) Yeah, it's a process. I feel like parenting is a work in progress and I learn things every single day. So (laughs) yeah, me too. Me too. Especially through these conversations. Would you share a favorite parenting book of yours or a personal development one that has made you a better parent? If you're interested in like sensory related stuff, the woman, Elaine Aaron, I believe is her name. She's the author. She's the one that actually coined the term, the highly sensitive child. She's a really great resource and has a tons of things on the sensitive children. And then, and then I think just other parents, honestly, like sometimes I forget, I, I, I'm guilty of this. Like, you know, I'll read all the books and the articles or whatever's online, but just reaching out to like another parent and a, just like telling them what's going on, you'll be amazed at like how much um, somebody else has maybe gone through the same thing. And if they haven't, they'll know somebody else that has. So I think just like remembering our collective tribe or whatever you want to call it, just the people around you. We've lost that. Like it used to be back in the day, right? You grew up in a really big collective farm where like, or, you know, like a big collective of people that would just exchange. Like you, you, you live in a house that has intergenerational, like you have a, a grandparent or great grandparent and they would pass down all these things that they learned. And that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. That's exactly the idea behind my podcast to tap into the collective wisdom of moms of all walks of life. That's wonderful. Thank you for this pleasant conversation. It was yeah. lovely chatting with you.
You too. Would you like to tell our listeners about your podcast where they can connect and learn more from you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have a podcast called Parents Connecting. It's podcast kind of on a lot of topics, not just parents. I think parents is one identity. So I talk about myself. I pepper my own stories in here, have guests, experts on the show. And so you can find me on Instagram, Rashida.ParentsConnecting. And there's a Facebook group, Parents Connecting. Um, and I love to hear people. And the idea is similar to what you're doing is just like connecting with other individuals and sharing stories and just kind of trying to find the genius in, in the collective of people when they, when they come together and have a conversation. Mm, that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was so great. I really appreciate it. And I'm, uh, I really like your podcast and I think it's great what you're doing. I greatly enjoy this conversation. Here's what stayed with me. Number one, teach your kids to be kind. It's such an important thing to make sure that they're kind to people, even in the simplest and the smallest of things. It goes to the core of who they are. Number two, it's really easy to feel so much guilt around not feeding your kids the right way, giving them everything from the food groups, or just following your idolized version of what it should be. Take a look at your own capacity of where you are in life. If you're really in a stressful period in your life and the only thing that you could do is get a sandwich on the table, that's okay. If you don't actually have the capacity to do something, then you can't do it. And blaming and shaming yourself won't help. It's a season of life and it's probably a short period of time anyway. Number three, when raising your children, it's helpful to be aware of sensory challenges. If you notice that something sensory-related keeps troubling your child, they might be overstimulated and might need a change of environment. The way to help our kids self-regulate is to try different approaches until we find what's working. It's challenging because sensory issues change with time, and there could also be a gap between the cause of the overload and the actual meltdown. But there's always a reason for kids' behavior. They are simply trying to communicate, and it's our job to be on the lookout for cues, to have a willingness to try new things, and to not get super worked up if it doesn't work. Okay, I'm hopping in for just a minute to tell you about the free resource I recently created. It's called the Connection Blueprint, and it consists of five tools that will help you improve the relationship with your child and create an environment where your kid feels seen, heard, and loved. After all, all the lessons we want to teach our kids require us to first have a trusting relationship with them so that they're ready to hear our advice and lean on our support. Anytime I feel disconnected and out of sync with my own children, I get back to this blueprint, put the tools to practice, and it works wonders. I'm sure having a loving and trusting relationship with your kids is a top priority for you too. So check the show notes and get your copy of the Connection Blueprint. Thank you so much for listening and letting me be a part of your day. If you enjoyed this episode or the show in general, please share it with a friend and help me reach more moms around the world. I would also appreciate it if you consider leaving me a review. Reviews are literally the lifeblood of a podcaster and help me so much. Don't forget to subscribe so you get notified when a new episode drops. See you next week.